0: Okay, so today we have the great privilege of hearing Brum speak, so let's give him a round of applause as he comes up. All right, good morning, everybody. Let's all uh, pray. Father, we uh, once again, we come to you. We acknowledge your presence in our midst. We acknowledge your authority in our lives your authority in this meeting. We also acknowledge the authority of your word as we read it, as we talk about it. We ask you that you will pour your spirit into our hearts and touch everything that we are, our our hearts, our emotions, our minds, our intelligence, everything that we are, Lord. Because we know that the truth that it, that, it, that is contained in your in your in your word is the only thing that will transform us, so that we can become more and more like Jesus. We ask you, Father, as we open our hearts to receive your word, it will touch us. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, let's all go to uh, the Gospel of John. I am going to start to read from. Verse 12, the Gospel of John. Verse 12. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Okay. You're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Okay, John chapter 14. the last two weeks we've been talking on the John chapter 13 and chapter 14, verse 12 Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will be will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. You can underline that. That's going to be very important. To help you and be with you forever. You can underline that too. That is very important. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him For he lives with you and will be in you. You can underline that. That's important. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day you will realize that I am in the Father. And you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I too will love them and show myself to them. Verse 22 Then Judas, not Iscariot, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves you will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, okay, you can underline that, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things that... and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away, and I'm coming back. If you love me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe me. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly my Father has commanded me. Come now and let us go. All right. Last week, the last two weeks, as I said, we we've been going through the uh, John chapter 13, two passages of, of chapter thirteen, and uh, and what we learned from those two two chapter two passages is that you know the first passage was the betrayal of uh, the, 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 uh, the Jesus washing the feet of, of of the disciples, and then the second chapter, Jesus predicting the betrayal and the denial of Jesus. And the, the lessons that we learn is that it is possible in the intimate moment of the presence of God where the Spirit of God so fills the, the atmosphere and in the midst of that something evil happens in the heart of man. People can get excited you know, it's amazing how, like I said last week, we can sing the same song, sing the same, uh, sing, uh, sing the same song, pray the same prayer, read the same Bible, but something is not dealt with in our hearts, and it end, ends up tragically. And you know, the the first passage we we read that the devil prompted Judas to betray Jesus, and then the second passage it the whole thing went to a new level where, where the devil actually entered Judas. The devil had full access of Judas to betray Jesus. And uh, another thing that we, we, we pointed out that just because we are used by God, that is not a measure of our spirituality. Like I said, Judas was used by Jesus. He was one of the 70 you know, 70 people that sent by Jesus where when they came back, they said, man, Jesus, they got excited because even the demons are subject to us. You know, they, you know, they obeyed us. And Judas was one of them. Saw the signs and wonders being used. Not only that, we also learned that Judas was used in, in that high position of being the treasurer of Jesus' ministry. And yet, at the same time, he would help himself to dig into the the treasury and, and stole the money, some of the money. Here's the question. I think it's a good question to ask. The Bible says that Jesus knows what's in the heart of man. So the question is, why would Jesus assign Judas to be a treasurer knowing that He's got that problem. It's a fair question, isn't it? We can theorize about a lot of things, but I think just reading from, I can only read what the Bible says. It doesn't say about the wise, but I think it's its possible that Jesus allow, allows Judas to be in that position With, with the hope that somehow through Jesus' teaching on the issue of money, maybe Judas will just come to a realization and come face to face with his own problems on that issue. Because Jesus is very clear in teaching about money. For example, he taught about you know, money in Luke 16 verse 9. He, he talks about make friends with money, remember? And on the other hand, in in Matthew chapter 26, verse, verse 24, on the one hand, he said, make friends with money, but don't make it your master. You'll be in real trouble. Because he said, you can't serve two masters. You either serve money or serve God. So yes, be well acquainted with money, but don't make it your boss. Put it that way. Money can be a good friend for you. Because... It will do whatever you, you, you assign it to do. You want to buy shoes, you want a clothes, you just send it, you know. here's the money, you go and buy buy shoes, he will do anything you, you assign him to do, but he'll be a, a terrible master. Interesting. So let's go back to our passage. And I want, want to read this chapter 14. I think often when we read the Bible, we tend to, because it's chapterized, if if there's such a word. (laughs) You know, you have chapters and verses. The original scripture had no chapters or verses, all right? So we have to read it like that. The problem with chapters and verses, we tend to read them separately. But I want to invite you now to read in context and read the flow of it. Let's just read the end, the end of John chapter 13 and continue to chapter 14, uh, verse 1, without chapter and verses, as if, you know, it is a, a flaw. Okay, chapter 13, verse 38. Let's read it. Then Jesus answered. This is to Peter. Peter said, you know, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to lay down my life for you. So Jesus responded in chapter 13, verse 38. He said, will you, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster, rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God; believe also in me. Can you feel the the floor uh, there? It's like my in my father's house. There are many rooms, and Jesus just made this promise futuristically. As I read that. Read the the flow and the feel of of the flow of the passage, I thought, Jesus just dropped a bombshell to the disciples. They were shocked that one of them is going to betray him, number one. And number two, he closed the the whole statement by saying, okay, Peter, you're going to deny me. You're going to disown me. And I can imagine the disciples, and, and then after that, he just said, but don't, 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 don't worry about it. Just you believe in God, believe in me. And give this futuristic sort of promise. I can imagine the disciples totally bewildered by the whole thing. Hang on, Jesus. You just drop this massive bombshell, and all you can come back with is like, don't, don't worry about it. Just believe in God and believe in me. Aren't you just a little bit flippant about this whole thing, you know? This is massive. We don't know that one of us, we don't even know who it is going to betray you because the the disciples didn't know until it happened. And then all of a sudden, this Judas that uh, that, that Peter that we so look up to because Peter always the the outspoken one, always the the spokesman. And this dude that we look up to, he's going to disown you and then all you say is just believe in me and believe in God like... I think you're just a bit too flippant about this whole thing. We don't know where we're going. Can you feel that? (laughs) But they don't realize that that was the key. Believing in Jesus is the key. Why? Because let's follow this theme. He's trying to comfort them. Because you believe in me, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's a future promise. And believing in Jesus is the answer to Thomas' uh, question. Because Jesus said, believe in me, you know know me, and you know where I'm going. And Thomas said, no, we don't. I don't know where you're going. Somebody's going to betray you, somebody's going to deny you, and you say, we know where you're going. No, I don't know where you're going. And Jesus said, and, and Thomas said, We don't know the way where you're going. And Jesus said, I am the way, if you believe in me. It was like, that was that's the answer. You want to know the way? I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you believe me, you will know the Father. And from now on, he said, You know the Father, in verse verse 11. And then Thomas, uh, and Philip then said, no, Jesus, we don't know the Father. What are you talking about? Jesus said, you don't get it, don't you? Believe in me, because I am in the Father. And the Father is in me. It was like, Jesus said, it's as simple as that. Just believe in me. And another thing Jesus said believe in me. Why? That's for me to read our passage. He said very truly I tell you whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. So not only Jesus said, believing in me is the key for your comfort and for the hope for the future. But believing in me is the key to what's coming immediately ahead after my resurrection. Pretty much Jesus promised them and this is what Jesus said if you read verse 12. Greater things you will do than this. As if he's saying, you think up till now, you've seen great signs and wonders that are performed. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's what he said. And the, the reason you ain't seen nothing yet because it's not going to be me doing it. It's going to be you doing it. Because you believe in me. Why? He said, because I'm going to the Father. I can imagine the disciples probably thought, hang on, we're going to do great things because you're going to the Father? What's that got to do with anything? We'll read further. So from here on, the writer of the Gospel, John, spent three chapters, chapter 14, 15, 16, to show you and I to show the reader, the readers the most comprehensive pre-Pentecostal teaching on the ministry of the Holy Spirit that is taught by Jesus at that moment. It is the most complete, you can say, comprehensive teaching of the Holy Spirit in the whole of the New Testament. You might say, isn't the book of Acts the... Uh, the, the book of the Holy Spirit. The Acts is actually, it is the book of the Holy Spirit, but it is the book of the narratives of the move of the Holy Spirit. What about 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Well, it is the book of the Holy Spirit, but it's, it, is, it talks about the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What about the The book of Galatians, you know, because you talk about the the fruit of the Holy Spirit and, and, and Romans and all that. Well, it is the book about the believers, how they live their life as they are led by the Holy Spirit. But the Gospel of John is the doctrine of the person of the Holy Spirit. Taught by Jesus himself. The doctrine, the theology... Of the person of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus begins in verse, 14, uh, verse 16, "I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Advocate to help you and be with you forever." Whoa! And I want to I want to highlight this I, this this word Advocate in Greek. It's called Parakletos. Some people say. Pronounce it paraclete, but actually it's in the Greek word, there's two E in, in Greek. It's E or A. This is paracletos. It means advocate, helper, comforter, teacher, guide, or counselor. And it is found four times in the, in, in the Gospel of John, and you can write this down if you're, if you're a keen Bible, Bible student. Chapter 14, verse 16 and 26. Chapter 15, verse 26. I'll do it again. Chapter 14, verse 16 and 26. And chapter 15, verse 26. And chapter 16, verse 7. This word is used. And once in the first epistle of John, which is 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. However, in the, in, the, in the first epistle of John, Paracletos refers to Jesus himself as our advocate. So my conclusion is this. The way John uses Holy Spirit here, but what he's saying is Jesus is, uh, the Holy Spirit is like Jesus with the disciple was. is Jesus with us, not through the Holy Spirit. He, he is the compatible, the, the equal replacement of Jesus. No other book used this word except for this, this passage, and the Gospel of John. Only John uses this word. And his function, including comforting the disciples after uh, Jesus' departure, the verses we just read, I will ask the Father and he will give you a comforter. It's interesting because, because of the, the, uh, the meaning of this thing. Advocate, helper, comforter, teacher, guide, and counselor. Some translations use one, one meaning to the other, but, uh, but no scholar can, can find an adequate, uh, word to, this, one, the adequate one word to, to use it. So the Anglicans tend to use paraclete. They, call, they use a paraclete, and I like it. So, the promise of Jesus, this is a comfort for, for the disciples because he will be with you forever. You, you're not gonna, and Jesus says, I'm not gonna leave you alone. You're not gonna be an orphan here. He, he's gonna be with you forever. And in, in verse, verse uh, 17, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor, nor knows him. But you know him, and he lives with you, okay? Not just with you, but lives, will, and says there, he didn't say lives, but he said he will be in you. Because at that moment, Jesus was not yet crucified and raised from the dead. It was Jesus pretty much ref, uh, reflecting back to his statement in uh, John chapter 7, verse 38, when he said, he who believes in me, out of himself flow rivers of living water. And then John, after the resurrection, reflecting back to that statement, he said that statement that Jesus made, the believers was not yet to receive because Jesus was not yet glorified, you know. And then the next thing is the function of this Holy Spirit is to teach them. Chapter 14, verse 26. But the Advocate of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach you everything. Now, let me balance that out. It doesn't mean that you don't need to read your Bible because the Holy Spirit is going to teach you. No. (laughs) It doesn't mean that way. When you read the Bible, then the Holy Spirit will teach you. Okay, remember Paul said in First Corinthians chapter two or chapter three, but he said, "I preach, or I, or I, uh, I saw." Talking about the, the preaching of the Word of God, I sow I, I plant the seed, and Apollos water it, but God gives the increase. Remember, that's what Paul said. So, from that principle, we have to understand that. There is human responsibility, and there's God's responsibility. Human responsibility is planting and watering. Does that make sense? And God's responsibility, well, causes the growth. He causes the growth. So here's the thing. If you never plant it, if you never water it, and expect something to grow, God's going to come to you and say, I've got nothing to work with. You haven't planted it. You haven't watered it. So that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do. He's going to teach you. If you read the Bible, then He will explain it to you. you got to read it, though. Now, I want to give the balance here. You don't have to go to Bible college to understand Greek to know the Bible. Just read it. I'm not saying you know no one needs Bible college. I'm still studying at Bible College now. I'm still going there. It's just a good discipline. Because when you go to Bible college, you anyway. <laughs> now it's a good discipline. Because you 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 study so deep and then and then you got somebody else to mark your finding. And and your lecturer will disagree with you. You, know, you say, oh, this is what the Bible says, and he disagrees with you, and, then you, and I don't like it, but I, I, I see that as accountability, that I have to be able to defend what, my, what I believe. Right? But even without going to Bible college, you can't actually understand the Bible. Why would God, who has the desire so much, to know you and for you to know him make it so complicated that you have to know Greek to, to know him. I mean, give me a break. What kind of father is he? A good example for that is I go to Bible college. Diane doesn't go to Bible college. But she gets more invitation to preach outside member of Christian church than I do. Not only that, she got invited at Harvard's Bible College to lecture at Bible College. They haven't invited me yet. <laughs> Maybe they won't. <laughs> it means nothing to God. <laughs> and sometimes you see, I would read something, and I said, how did you know that? I mean, I, I, because I know that because I learned from Bible College. She said, no, I just, as I read it, I just, I could see it. It's like. and then in verse 26 when the advocate comes whom I will send to you you from the father the spirit of truth who who proceeds or goes out from the father he will testify about me and you also must testify for you have been with me here's the thing even in testifying by Jesus, it is the Father's will for you and I to partner with the Holy Spirit in testifying about Jesus. You can't do it on your own, it doesn't work. I've tried it. As a matter of fact, I've tried it many times. It didn't seem to work when I trust the Holy Spirit. And the next thing is the function of the Holy Spirit is to convict. The world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. We don't have time for it now to talk about it. If you want to know about it, what that really means, you come next week. I'll talk to you about it. (laughs) Is that good to draw a card for you to come back? And here's the thing. This is what I love. Chapter 16, verse 13. The function of the, the Holy Spirit is 16, verse 13. Let's read this. But when he, okay, remember he, he, Jesus, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as he, okay? Chapter 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, everybody say the spirit of truth, okay? When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. I want to read that again. This is very important. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. I want to make a statement like this. And I believe in this and I'll die for this. It takes the spirit of truth to guide us into all the truth. Because when you talk to people from a different belief system, doesn't matter what it is. If all it is, if the gospel, believing in Jesus, all I do is just take you into believing, talk you into believing it, believing in Jesus, without the power of the Holy Spirit, somebody else can come with a better brain will talk you out of it. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to do something in your heart reveal Jesus. I can't do it with my own strength. It's, it's beyond, we're going we're gonna to talk about this more. It's beyond intellectual conversation. There's, when somebody believes in Jesus, there's a spiritual transaction. Without that, just because somebody talked them into it, somebody else is going to come and talk to them out of it. It doesn't work like that. It takes the spirit of truth to lead us into all truth. And then chapter 16, verse 13, the second part of that, he will tell us what is to come. In other words, he will give you the prophetic anointing, either to prophesy or even to see what's, what's to come. That's why I think... You know, you know, as, as a Pentecostal church, we teach people how to prophesy. Well, that is the function of the Holy Spirit. And if you, you know, we, we teach you thoroughly how to actually do it responsibly, how to hear the voice of God. If you want to know more, go to DMS because that will teach you thoroughly. And it says, Chapter sixteen, verse fourteen. His function is to glorify Jesus. This is powerful. The Holy Spirit's agenda, probably the top agenda, is to glorify Jesus. What does that really mean to you and I? If I want to live a life that is glorifying God, I've got to rely on the Holy Spirit. I can't do it by my own because I'm just mortal. You know, like. I've got so many issues. <laughs> if my life is going to be the life that is glor- Jesus glorifying, it will have to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. It can't be less than that. It can't be just my biblical knowledge and all those things. I remember, I remember Diana, we were talking to this lady through whom we, we came to know Jesus. We, we got saved th- through her. She's this skinny lady, like really. Living, she, 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 she lived in, in this village, and we would come to her in this small house, just listen to every word like that like came out of her mouth. And you know what she said? Bram, she said, when I go to... Because she lived in, in a Muslim village, and she prayed for people, people got healed, people like, you know, and... So she said, Bram, when I come to a Muslim house, I don't carry my Bible. I've got my Bible in my heart because the, the moment I carry my Bible, they said, you got a book? I've got a book too. She said, I bring the person Jesus. I, I bring the embodiment of the truth which is Jesus himself. Because the minute I bring my Bible, it's like, this, like whoa, I bring Jesus with me in inside of me and I meet their needs. And she was asked, she was asked by, by the Department of Religion because she converted so many Muslims. At some, at some point, the whole village got converted and got baptized. So they, they asked her, ask her why, why do you do this? She said, I cannot convert a single hair to believe in Jesus, pretty much. A single piece of hair to, to believe in Jesus. Nobody can. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. I just help them. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. Sometimes, you know, I, I would say, man, if only I was one of the disciples and be with Jesus, that would be amazing, you know? It would be amazing. But he's, This is what Jesus said in chapter 14, verse 16. He said, this advocate who is compatible, who is in equal position, who is replacing me. He's going to be with you forever. When Lazarus was, was dead, I was in a different city three days before I get to Lazarus too. But when the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever situation they're in, it's like Jesus is everywhere. It's a better deal than at that time. I don't need to find where Jesus is. Jesus is just right here. I can go to Calvary. I can go to I. I can go to anybody because he's in us and with us forever. This is how Paul puts it. I love this I love this, this scripture. First Corinthians chapter two, concerning the Holy Spirit, Start from verse nine: What I, what no eye has seen, but no ear he has heard, what no human mind has conceived—God, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. Now, listen to this: The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Whoa. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. From just reading that and from what we've talked about, this is my conclusion. It takes God to make God known it takes the spirit of God to make him known to us. And the church, without relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, they can do whatever. They can be professional. They can do all those things. And all people have is just they get caught up in the culture of Christianity, but never become the disciples of Jesus in a true sense. I'm serious without the power of the Holy Spirit people just get caught up in the culture of Christianity and Christianity becomes institutionalized rather than become a family and a fellowship when we start to focus on the institution we cease to become a church and not only that And we become defensive about our religion rather than just loving people. And really just, come on guys, you just need to know Jesus. If you don't use the power of the Holy Spirit and trust that the Holy Spirit can speak to people to explain who Jesus is, we're going to be, I don't care how many big thousands of people we have now in, in some churches, it can be just become an institution and a culture. And the, 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 the line has been drawn and it becomes clearer and clearer the gap between Christianity the, our belief system to, to the secular world. You know what? There's an issue now where there's a question being thrown out there. Is it legal for us to to convert gay people? That's going to become an issue. What are we going to do with that? Well, the problem is with religion is this. We, we focus on the behavioral modification. It's like, you need to change your life. So no, I, I, I just say, you need to know Jesus, man. I can't fix you. But I know Jesus can, the Holy Spirit can. So my focus should be, doesn't matter, I don't care. Who comes to this place? Who, who comes sitting? I don't care what do you look like. I don't care what it is. All I want to know is you know Jesus. Really. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to transform your life. And it goes beyond just behavioral modification. Really. Really. Because it's almost like, you know, the idea of holiness, you know, you know we, we quote the scripture, God says, be holy as I am holy. Holiness is, is actually being, living a life being separated for God. Not, se- not necessarily separated from the world, but separated for the Lord. Can you see the difference? Often we, we, we have this idea of holiness, meaning I need to be separated from Whereas God says, no, be separated for me. Then things can be fixed. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes the spirit of truth to lead us into all the truth. Can I have the measles, please? Let's all stand up. Here's the thing. We talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. From the passage that we just read, what did Jesus say? If you believe in me, I will ask the Father. So, sometimes we have to be careful also that because we, yes, we are Pentecostal. I I celebrate my Pentecostalism. But we have to be careful in our language that we focus so much on the Holy Spirit. No, no, no. First first things first, point them to Jesus. And then Jesus will ask the Father. And the Father will give them the Holy Spirit. Can you see that? That's what it says in the passage. If you believe in me, then I'll ask the Father. And then he will give the Holy Spirit. So often we say, we, we pray, you know, you need to receive the Holy Spirit. You need to, no, no, we need to, first, do you believe in Jesus? Because he's the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Can we sing that song? Holy. Oh, no, I'm, I'm singing the wrong key, but hey. Spirit
1: fall in this.
0: Yeah, there, there you go. Let's just focus on Jesus.
1: Jesus.
0: Yes, Lord. Let's just focus on Jesus and worship him. A couple of weeks ago, there's somebody here sitting. You know, I'm I'm not the kind of like not an evangelist where I can preach and thousands of people get saved. But I was just talking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. As I was preaching, there's a guy here from a Muslim faith he said and after the service we started talking and he said he said to me when you pray I feel the peace there's a certain peace in my heart isn't that interesting I wasn't preaching evangelistically I was just talking about Jesus just about Jesus And then he said, when you prayed, I felt the peace in my heart. And I just, I just simply said to him, you know what, what you're feeling? It's the Holy Spirit working in your heart. That's all I said. And we talk about other things, but, you know, I said to him, the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. It's the peace of God. And he said, I still feel that peace. I said, do you want to receive Jesus? it really is that simple do you want to receive Jesus in your heart and he said yes and I had the privilege we were having a cup of coffee there I had the privilege of leading him in a prayer of salvation as I prayed he he cried he received Jesus we gotta trust the Holy Spirit like I said I wasn't preaching evangelistically. You know, you got to save. No, none of that. Just talking about Jesus, how good Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. He said, when you prayed, I felt something. I don't know about you. No, I don't know everybody here. If there's anybody here, I don't want to take any chance. Just in case you don't know Jesus, you want to give your heart to Jesus. You feel... The whole, there's a tug of the Holy Spirit in your, in, in your heart, inside of you. Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you. Anybody. Thank you, Jesus. I'll put it this way. If you want to talk to me like that guy, <laughs> having a cup of coffee, we can talk about it. And if you want to do that, I can pray for you then. I can pray anytime. As for now in closing uh, why don't we just turn around to one another and just pray. Just pray for one another and say Holy Spirit touch this person. We believe in Jesus. Just, just in a group of two or three, not, not too big. Just stop. pray a, prayer, a blessing for each other, for one another. Let's just do that. And we close the meeting is closed in that way. And we still maintain the attitude of worship, the atmosphere of worship. Let's just just bless
1: one another.